0: And it's certainly good to have all of the folks that we have with us online. And uh, appreciate them being with us here tonight. And uh, I uh, look at some of these names here, and it brings back a lot of good memories. Brother Hank Bud is with us. He's there watching from Meridian, Mississippi. And uh, Brother Hales and his family from Polkville, Mississippi. And uh, the Allries are with us tonight. And um, those are folks that we go back in a long distance. And I just appreciate them being uh, here with us tonight. Matthew chapter 24. And I would like to read in verse 4. The Bible says, And Jesus answered and said unto them, Take heed that no man deceive you, For many shall come in my name, saying, I am Christ, and shall deceive many. And then I would like for you to skip down to verse 23. The Bible says there, Then if any man shall say unto you, Lo, here is Christ, or there, believe it not. For there shall arise false Christ and false prophets, And shall show great signs and wonders, insomuch that if it were possible, they shall deceive the very elect. Behold, I have told you before. And I want to preach to you tonight on this thought, the pretenders. Let's ask the Lord to touch our hearts and our minds here tonight. Lord, your spirit, Lord, is here. And God, we're gathered, Lord, with a local church. Lord, it's an extension, God, of your body. And I pray, Lord, tonight that for the next, Lord, little while, that you would somehow, Lord, connect with our minds and our spirits. I pray, God, that your word would have free course. And God, that I have prayed this before, that it would find good ground. And that, Lord, that it would settle into a place, God, of growth We know, God, that you're able, Lord, to do that. I pray, God, tonight that there would be blessing, that there would be, Lord, protection, that, God, most of all, there would be spiritual discernment that you would somehow, Lord, grace this entire congregation with. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. The pretenders. I... uh, Got this title from a trip that I took. I suppose down memory lane, and you would have to go back to somewhere around 1978, 79, maybe 1980 or 81, and that was whenever I was growing up. We lived out uh, off just off of Fortner Street, and uh, lived out in a place called Sunrise Heights. And uh, back then, it was a lot, it was a dirt road that went down, it's paved now, and there's a whole lot more uh, houses that are out there than what there were whenever I was growing up, but uh, it was really a wooded area, and you basically could say it was out in the country. And across the street from our house, Mark and I, during the summertime, and and uh, my poor mother would have to referee battles as we'd call up the J.C. Penney's, and and uh, she would at some point in the daytime tell us if we didn't stop it that the wrath of God was going to fall on that house and take both of us out if we didn't quit our fussing and arguing with each other. And uh, But across the street there lived a very colorful character, and uh, I have to say I'm thankful that, that I grew up across the road uh, from a lady by the name of Dorothy Raines. Ms. Raines was... Uh, one of those characters that you would say that after the Lord made her that he broke the mold. And uh, one of the things that we would do is that we would um, and, uh, and and she also had a daughter. and and April is almost as colorful as what as what Ms. Raines was. In fact, several years ago after we had open after I had open heart surgery, it was just a few weeks after that, one Sunday night, we all went to IHOP, and uh, we were in there, sitting in there, and I was at my back to her, and about that time, somebody slapped me on the back, and and uh, you folks that have had open heart surgery, you, you know the attention that that gets whenever somebody hits you, and I'm telling you, it was like a, somebody had just... Uh, dropped a thousand pounds on my back in April, it was there, and, and of course, it was <laughs> another memory I'll never forget. But anyway, Ms. Rains and we all had bikes, and just about three miles or so from our house, uh, there was a garbage dump. And uh, except for it was not a dump that, you, that they dumped, not like a landfill where that. Uh, they dumped garbage, but it was a place where that uh, they dumped like furniture and, and appliances and various things, old clothes and that sort of thing out in that area. And so Ms. Raines, about three or four times a week, uh, she would get Mark and myself and April and, and she would load up on uh, her bike and we would all drive, our, ride our bikes down to what she called the Pickens. And uh, we would go through there and we'd pick around and find this and that and the other and I remember that of all that stuff that I used to enjoy going and, and finding all of the old discarded uh, stereos and televisions and radios and I would take the speakers out uh, of those uh, devices and then I would put them into a old piece of plywood that I had at my house and uh, it was a... It was quite a contraption. It's a wonder I didn't get electrocuted. And I had about 15 or 20 of those little speakers that had been bolted into the back of that and I had them all wired up together and I would listen to music on all of those speakers. But there was a book that I ran across at the time and I still remember even now picking up that little small paperback book and the cover or the title of that book uh, was a book called The Pretenders, and uh, I picked it up and put it in the little bag that I had a, like a backpack of sorts that I had attached to my bike, and I put it in that, and I carried it home with me, and, and uh, it was a book that was written by John MacArthur, and I uh, have to tell you that, that at the time, I didn't read that book. Um it was just a Bible study, God, it was a, a study over the book of Jude. And and yet, I look back at that and realize that that, that book, that the title of that book caused me uh, to really think as years have gone by, I did find that book at a later place. and And you know that Jude talks about false teachers and about how that certain men crept in unawares and just a variety of things that that Bible study guide talks about that it talks about how that there needs to be spiritual discernment in uh, our lives and in our hearts because there are voices that are constantly coming in our direction in uh, our day And, and once I got into uh, the ministry I begin to realize that it is important that uh, periodically at times that we promote apostolic doctrine and that we talk about the fact about how that it's important that we have a commitment that we have a structure in our lives that has the basis and the foundation of the Apostles doctrine That has been preached to us through all of the years. And then this past week, a friend of mine sent me a flyer of a revival meeting of sorts that was taking place in the United States. And as I read down through that uh, promotional flyer, I noticed that there were a lot of former members from the apostolic organization that had fallen away from what we would understand as true apostolic doctrine. And as I looked at those names there, some of those names I was very familiar with. There were others that I uh, really had no idea who they were except for the fact that they have since gone away from what they used to believe somewhere uh, in the past. And if you look at that, there are voices that are vying for every one of our attention here in this world that we live in. And even for that matter, uh, if you add that information to all of the fake news and the headlines in our days, we wonder, in fact, I had someone to ask me last week, what do you believe and who can you believe in our world today? Because there are those on the right and there are those that are on the left there are news organizations that we realize it is very obvious that they are slanted in some of their presentation of what they are saying and I don't know if you were aware of it or not but yesterday there were several hundred thousand people that met in the National Mall. If you've ever seen that picture before you know about how the National Mall has got uh, that little pool that's down toward the middle and and, uh, if you pack people in there. It can hold two to three hundred thousand people and they were there for a prayer service nationally and yet not a single one of our mainstream media sources reported that. It was independent people. It was pictures that were being spread on social media through Facebook and through Twitter and various other places and news and information that, that we once really believed in the past it appears now that it is being censored and it's being locked out as to how that we get our news and and yet uh, again, a term that I heard about three months ago. I was totally unfamiliar uh, with this term, but someone told me that 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 I had taken the red pill, and I'm like, "What in the world does that mean?" And they said that that you've been red peeled. I don't know if you've heard that expression or not, uh, but it's uh it's a. I started digging in to find out what in the world is that about, and apparently there was a movie that was back in 1999. Called the Matrix, and uh, during that start of that uh, movie, there was a choice that was offered to people as to whether that they would take a blue pill that would cause them to live just comfortably numb in a, a place where that they lived in deception, and there never really was an awakening that they had in their lives, or you could choose the red pill, and you could take the red pill, but if you took that it was going to forever change how that you looked at life because it was based on that matter of what what truth was really about and again while I'm really unfamiliar with all of that I can tell you that there is one source of truth that we have that is unchanged and it is a word of God that has been around now for almost 2000 years and even beyond that but the physical copy of the New Testament that we find in our hands now almost 2,000 years ago and the truth that we find there in the word of the Lord is absolutely crucial for every one of us to get a hold of in our lives and again there are thousands of voices that they will come in and they will try to influence the direction of what your life is going in This segment of scripture that I read ear to you tonight. I believe is is uh is is familiar to most of you here. You know that in Matthew 24, 25, in Mark 13, and also in Luke 21, that it was the last discourse that the Lord would give to uh his disciples. It was basically a sermon that he was giving uh to his disciples. And they asked him, in fact, the question is this: Lord, what is going to be the sign of of your return. I, I think that this bears our attention here tonight, and that's this is that it was one of the questions that was asked to the Lord that had the longest answer of any question that he that he was asked. That that's pretty remarkable to think that he spends so much time in the Olivet discourse because of a question that was asked to him. And you start looking at this. The Lord was very much making his disciples aware to understand that I want you to know that there is going to be some deception that is going to come into your life and into your spirit. Whenever I see this chapter here six times in the verses throughout the Olivet Discourse in Matthew 24, the Lord uses the form of many. He says in verse 5, many will come in my name and they will lead many astray. Verse 10, many are going to fall away. Verse 11, many false prophets will arise and lead many astray. And then verse 12, the love of many will grow cold. And again, I look at those words and I have to balance out what the word of the Lord says compared to what we hear man sometimes time saying about revival and about how that there is going to be a massive harvest. If I read the word of the Lord, it does not appear that that will be what takes place. It appears that there will be places where that there will be pockets of revival and that there will be places where that the Lord will indeed move and yet I have to tell you here tonight as a chilling warning to our church is the is that whenever you look at the seven churches in the book of Revelation, in Revelation chapter two, and in Revelation chapter three, that there are five of the seven churches that the Lord looks at, and he says there were five of them that were so messed up, and that they were so out of sync with the original purpose of what I had planned them to be in, which causes me to wonder if the Lord was to walk through this church here tonight, what would be the condition that he would find our church in Dothan, Alabama? Would he find us in the condition of Ephesus? Or would he find us like Thyatira or even Laodicea? Or would he find us like Philadelphia and Smyrna, which were the two churches that there was no marks of castigation against them? That is the kind of church that I want to be a part of. I want to be a church like Philadelphia. I want I want to be a church like Smyrna because there is something that takes place in churches that put a premium on truth. And so whenever you start looking at this scripture here, the language that is here, it appears that it would be to a host of generations throughout history from the time that the word said, the Lord said those words somewhere around 33, perhaps 34 AD, that he said those words. There's a host of churches that throughout the last 2,000 years that they could say that these things have been taking place in their church life but yet I believe with all of my heart as many of you do here tonight that we are living in the last days and it is absolutely crucial that our spiritual life be the number one priority that you have in your life. Are we to seek after the things of the world? No we are not if we can understand what Jesus said in Matthew 6 and 33 seeking first the kingdom of God and what was the promise? The promise was Was that if we are to seek the kingdom of God Then all these other things are going to take care of themselves That's not to say we are to be lazy at our jobs Or in our efforts for school Or in efforts of advancement But there is a part to understand To say that I have to pursue and seek the kingdom of God Because that really is the goal of life Because if I do that Then everything else will take care of itself so now I look here in Matthew 24 and verse 4 about Jesus giving a warning to us about these pretenders notice what he says there he said and Jesus answered and said unto them take heed that no man deceive you be aware be awake be alert People, be alert. Disciples, be alert. Church, because during that period of time, there's gonna be evils and there's gonna be sorrows and there are gonna be tragedies and deceptions and conflicts and animosity that's going to blind the minds of men. There is no area in my life or in your life that has to be as carefully guarded as what my spiritual life is. And there are times where that there can be grudges and there can be jealousies and envies and there can be bitterness and things of that nature that can get into the heart and the spirit that can begin to cause us to be distracted from what the Lord has called us to be in. Whenever you start thinking about deception, it's worrisome about how that you know or you don't know that you're being deceived. You, you don't know that. You don't know that you have been deceived or taken uh, a, advantage of. A, a fisherman, what does he do? He he stands on the boat of that boat and he's there. I have an uncle. Uh, that, that year, he doesn't do it as much now as... What he had in times past, but he had a bass boat, and he would stand out on the deck of that bass boat, and he would change over. It was like they were they were they were pros at it. They had all those. Um, whatever you little call them. But I'm not a fisherman, so you can tell that I'm kind of ignorant about what I'm talking about, but I do know that he would take that and he'd cl- add a little clip. He could take all these different colored worms and he could take all these different kind of lures and, and uh, he would take them out there and he would throw them across there and he'd start spinning that thing and that little deal and start making some noise or sometimes it'd be like a cricket that was hopping across the hot, top of that water. And what was he doing? He was trying to catch a bass. And I had I've heard some guys say, Man, you say that that's a hobby, I said that man, that's too much like work to me. It looks like it's a hobby. And yet, those fish, whenever they bit into that, there was a great deception that they thought that they were about to get a cricket, or they were about to get, I've seen some of them that even look like little small rats. And uh, and, and they thought that they were getting that. And whenever they bit into that, there was that hook. And they were pulled out, and some of those bass ended up on the walls of my uncle's home there. Or you think about an athlete that 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 runner gets the ball and he starts around the line, or he goes through the middle of that, and he's moving and he's he's juking and jiving and they're going in all different directions. And there are people that dive at him, and what's he doing? He's deceiving them, and what they end up doing is they end up grabbing air, and they don't take. The runner down because they have been deceived. Or what about a hacker that gets into your computer? Now, how does he get into that computer? You innocently open up an email, and the email says, Look, if you will respond to this website, then we can show you some financial tips that's gonna be able to set you apart. And then bang, you click on that, and all of a sudden there's malware or some kind of virus that has gotten in to your computer. How did that happen? It happened by the work of deception. And whenever it comes to biblical interpretation, we can be led away from the scriptures and we can be led away by false teachers or we can be led away by uh, this kind of ignorance. What does the scripture mean to me? What does this scripture mean to me? Can I tell you? It don't matter what that scripture means to you. Furthermore, it doesn't matter what that scripture means to me. The purpose of scripture is, is what does it mean to God? And therefore, whenever I look at what scripture has to say, because of the context that God has set that in, then what does it do? It secures truth in my life. But Jesus goes on. Look there with me in verse 5. He said, For many shall come in my name saying I am Christ and they're going to deceive many. And then when you skip down to verse 23, the Bible says, Then if any man shall say unto you, Lo, here is Christ or there, then you believe it not for there shall arise false Christ and false prophets and they shall show great signs and wonders insomuch that if it were possible, they shall deceive the very elect. That is a troubling scripture to me that tells me that even though we may know scripture and even though we may have an, a relationship with God and that we have been born again, the Lord tells us that these signs of these false cries are going to be in such a way that they would even deceive the absolute elect. The very elect that would somehow think in their minds that they're safe and yet they are not Jesus again verse 25 behold I have told you before and so the Lord gives us four specific things whenever he starts looking at this verse 5 he says there are going to be a lot of them they're going to be plentiful because he says there will be many that will be there in that day error it would flood the world if it could and and it used to be it was books and and Bible colleges and and seminaries that you had to look out for and then it progressed and now it moved into the days of the radio and the television and and now it is extended to social media platforms where that anybody that has a webcam can sit down and begin to speak into that and they can profess that they are an authority on, on the world. Word of God. I I would just tell you this: that you need to be plugged into a local church because here's what a local church does for you. It provides accountability that YouTube and Twitter and Facebook that they do not provide. And I thank God for the people that are here with us online. Some of them are even our folks. But hear me tonight: there is nothing like being plugged into a local church where that there is some authority that comes from accountability that you have people that are around you that help you to walk in the right direction. I know there's some people that says, oh my Lord, that church is judgmental. That church is is uh, narrow-minded. That church is whatever. Let me tell you something. When you get to the other side, you're gonna thank God that you was sitting across from some old saintly sister that you thought was always had their nose in your business or some good brother that was always, I tell you what, he, he man, he was so judgmental. I'll tell you, whenever you get to heaven, after you see the Lord, that's probably gonna be the first one that you walk up to and you're going to say, thank you, brother, thank you, sister, because you were looking out for me, but yet it was in my mind that my mind had gotten so punch dropped by the world that I didn't recognize what you were doing. And Jesus said that in the last days that there were going to be many that were there. Someone that used to attend this church probably 10 years ago or more and they've long since backslid have have uh had, had talked to me some uh, about some of these prophetesses that they would watch on YouTube and I plugged in uh, to some of those prophetesses that they were watching and I got to looking and, and seeing what they were talking about and what they were uh they were doing and, and I just told this person I said I, I'm just one of, I, I didn't say I'm gonna warn you I didn't i don't try to that. I know y'all think that I do, but I, I just, I said, I'm going to suggest this is the best thing you can do is to quit looking at all these women that are saying that they got this word from the Lord and they got this and that and the other. And I have to confess to you that sometimes, and I, I don't know if it's godly or if it's ungodly, but sometimes I get on and I watch them just to just to laugh at them because they they totally just rest Scripture and tear it in a hundred different directions and I watch it just to get, to laugh at it but here's the sad part about it is there are people that are watching some of those things and they're taking that stuff in to be the law and the gospel and and I told this particular person I said I want to caution you about getting involved in that and over the course of time their involvement in that stuff is so corrupted and messed their mind up that it was almost like that if they were to pray through again that they would have to have a total mental and spiritual transformation to take place because of all the error that they have constantly taken in in their lives. That makes me think and brings my mind to what John said in Revelation chapter 2 beginning in verse 20. He said, Notwithstanding, I have a few things against thee because thou sufferest or allow that woman Jezebel which calleth herself a prophetess to teach and to seduce my servants to commit fornication and to eat things sacrificed unto idols. And I gave her space to repent of her fornication, and she repented not. Behold I will cast her into a bed And them that commit adultery with her into great tribulation Except they repent of their deeds And I will kill her children with death And all the churches shall know that I am he Which searcheth the reins and the hearts And I will give unto every one of you according to your works Now here's the question that I would ask Was that an apostolic church? That Styra Then that we're talking about. What was that an apostolic church? Absolutely. Was it a spirit-filled Jesus' name church? Yes, it was. But somewhere along the way, the pastor, the elders, the saints of that church had lowered their vigilance and they had lost their spiritual sobriety. And they had begun to let this prophetess, this spirit of Jezebel, to begin to operate in that. If ever there needed to be an anointing on your life and my life, if ever there needed to be discernment in our generation, it is now that I've got to say I don't want to be deceived. I am too close to the rapture. I am too close to the coming of the Lord to let my mind get twisted and turned around in this generation. We've got to love the truth with everything inside of us. That's what the proverb says. It says, buy the truth and sell it not. Don't get rid of it. Thank God that you're in a church that preaches the truth thank God that you're in a church that still believes you've got to repent and be water baptized in Jesus name by immersion and that you must receive the Holy Ghost with the initial sign of speaking in tongues and then a separation from the world let me tell you you don't know the value of an old fashioned apostolic church that will earnestly contend for the faith and say we can't afford to Move off of the apostolic message. Oh, in the name of Jesus, let's worship the Lord right now. Oh, in the name of Jesus, in the name of the Lord, in the name, I feel authority in this building, church. The Spirit of the Lord is here. Oh, in the name of Jesus. (laughs) <laughs> oh in the name of Jesus but there was more to it that the Lord had to say he also told us this that when we look at verse 5 he said many shall come in my name saying I am the Christ and that we see there the next thing it says they shall deceive many these people are going to be very very persuasive Oh yes they are They are going to be very very persuasive And I I know I need to I need to work On my appearance But I hate it That I'm not taller And thinner And had more hair I get up here sometimes I think oh my lord my terrible accent I don't sound very persuasive I don't have all the suave cool things that that a lot of them have and again I I believe we ought to do the most that we can do what we got however Jesus said it that whenever we look at this last generation they're going to be popular and they're going to be persuasive they're going to preach things that is never going to offend anybody they're going to preach things that's never going to upset the apple cart. They're going to be like those prophets that's in Jeremiah and Ezekiel that come along and tell you everything is fantastic and wonderful and awesome and that this is the place where you've got to capitalize. That's what Jesus said. He said there will be people that will be misled and betrayed and duped because these prophets have the ability to persuade And they'll start moving in and they'll keep moving the boundaries and moving the boundaries and moving the boundaries. And they'll say, "Well, well, we need to let down on this standard. That standard really doesn't have a biblical doctrine behind it. Can I remind you of what Paul told Timothy? He said, Timothy, he said, here's what I want you to do, that there are some traditions that you need to uphold. And there are times whenever we feel ourselves back." peddling and, and it may be because we don't have a scripture to put on every single part and be able to say oh yeah well it says here that book chapter and verse it says this is why that we shouldn't do those things but I'm just going to tell you that the Lord has placed pastors and teachers in our lives that what did they do? They say there's some traditions that you've always had and they know that if we get away from those things that what are they going to do? They're going to cause us to sl- Slide and to move away I'm going to tell you something I pray I get locked jaw. I pray that somehow that my tongue is silenced before I ever start backing down on some of our old standards and before I start moving away from doctrine and letting up in this area and easing up in that that you let go of that doctrine if we remove the Bible and if we remove spiritual life, if we remove worship from what we are doing I'll tell you it won't take a decade before the Lord will put Ichabod on this congregation and it will have moved away there's an oncoming generation and I don't know if they're going to live long enough because I'm talking about the rapture is going to take place but there ought to be something inside of every one of us that we say we're going to do everything we can to pass on something to the next generation because we are The brethren, that we love the fellowship, that we believe that these are safe and reasonable boundaries and standards for us to live by. I want you to turn in your Bibles. We've read this multiple times, but I want you to turn in your Bible with me so you will see it in your Bible. Look with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 6 and look with me to verse 14. them and I will be their God and they shall be my people wherefore come out from among them and be ye separate saith the Lord and touch not the unclean thing and I will receive you and will be a father unto you and ye shall be my sons and daughters saith the Lord almighty having therefore these promises dearly beloved let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit perfecting holiness in the fear of God I want to just I'm just gonna float this out here to, tonight for just your your thoughts and uh here recently um and I should have wrote her name down but um her name slips my mind it's not a loaded question if you help me um this girl that sings and uh, she was I read the Fox headlines the country music deal was going on here a few I think it was two Sunday nights ago or so and um, I can't remember her name she's a young blonde 30 something year old Taylor Swift and and anyways um, when I was growing up it was Madonna that tells you how old, and she, she's anyway. Um, I, I was watching. I, I clicked on a a video deal, and I was watching her sing. And I looked at her sing on that stage, and it was dark in the place where she was singing, and there were lights, cool lights, and all that kind of stuff. And then, very shortly thereafter, another uh, friend of mine sent me a a clip to a youth conference that was in an area in our nation and uh, I watched that youth conference and they were up there singing on the platform. Kids that were, I'm, they were apostolic or said they were and I looked at that and I thought it's almost like that if they were to move them out of the way that they could let Taylor Swift come in and, and stand right there on that same stage. She'd be in the same atmosphere with all the darkness and all of that world there, and I, I look at our church, and sometimes I get on our, our live stream, our our video archive, and and I look at our building, and I think, man, this place is so lit up, and uh, it it doesn't is not dark, and it don't have cool lights, and there's no fog machines, and there's there's none of this, and I look at that, and I think, Philip, you ought to, you ought to ease up and get with the times a little bit until I think about what it does to a church that is supposed to be apostolic that we all of a sudden, that we start amping up and we move our, our atmosphere into a place that looks like the world. Oh, help us God to get 2 Corinthians six fourteen through 7, 1 in our minds. What fellowship or what concord hath Christ with Belial? What place does the Lord have with demons? What place would it be that we would have fellowship with idols and no matter how foolish that we may look, there cannot be a persuasiveness of the false doctrine in the false world to get into this place. I want to see people filled with the spirit. I want you to get the word of God in your life in such a way that there's no confusion when you walk in here that you say, this is a church. It's not a nightclub. It's not a concert hall. It's not a lecture place. This is a church where that we honor the glory and the holiness of the Lord be careful who you allow to persuade you to move away from where you stood 10 years ago 20 years ago 40 years ago if we needed praying preachers and praying saints back in that day we need them today the spirits that we're battling they are stronger now than what they've ever been and there needs to be super saints there needs to be super preachers that whenever we walk in this house that you can immediately plug in to the work of the holy ghost <laughs> oh jesus <laughs> oh jesus <laughs> But here's what else the Lord says and again I want to reiterate that I'm just telling you that these are the words that the Lord had to say and Look there with me to verse twenty-three and to verse twenty-six. What was the words? the words of the Lord. He said, "I want you to know." He said, "There, there's going to be a lot of a lot of them, many of them, and they're going to be persuasive." But he said, "I'm going to tell you this." He said, "They're going to be dangerous." How do I know that? Because Jesus said, "Believe it not, and go not forth." He said, "Don't follow them." Don't let yourself be caught up and taken up. And these false Christs are like pied pipers and they will lead you astray. And the Lord's command was that, that we should not believe them and certainly that we should not follow after them. But here's the scary thing. He also says something else about them in verse 24. He says these, these, these false Christs, they're going to show you great signs and wonders. And so much if it were possible, they shall deceive the very elect. Their signs are going to be so impressive. Their signs are going to be something that's just going to be, we're going to be in awe. We're going to think, oh man, if, if God could just move in this generation like he did in the past, and y'all listen to me. When we pray, there are so many things that are taking place now because of the positive impact of some of the prayers that our church has prayed, that there are things that are taking place in people's lives that people are feeling physically improving in their condition. There's others that the Lord is moving them spiritually. So I would just say that the devil tries to underestimate our praying sometimes because he wants us to buy into the sensational. And the Lord said, you be careful because they're gonna show great signs and wonders in so much that if it were possible, they are going to deceive the very elect. They're going to be powerful. I told a friend of mine here this past week, Brother Wayne Naylor, pastor's up in in Danville, and he'll be here later on uh, in next year to come and preach to us again. But I I told him, I said, I've figured out, I've done a little math, and i figured out now that whenever I got to Bible college, Brother Enzi was my age. And... uh, in his mid-50s, and I used to sit there, I was 23, 24, 25 years old, and I used to sit there and listen to Brother Enzy, and And I'm telling you, Brother Enzy would get up, and he'd go off on this and that and the other, and I'd sit there, and I'd think, man, what in the world's wrong? He's got such a terrible attitude, and he's just such a, a grumpy old guy, and I'm telling you, he just needs to just, man, he just needs to relax, About this stuff Now I never said that to him But I thought that on the inside And I know some of you probably are Thinking those things periodically About sometimes when me and Brother Patterson Get up here and y'all Oh Lord they're just ranting and raving And carrying on They'll get over it But I told Brother Naylor last week I said Brother Naylor I, I want you to know this I said, I'm now at that place where I've turned into Brother Enzi and I'm a grumpy old man and all the things now that I saw him get so worked up and upset about that I couldn't understand why he was getting upset. Well, I've lived long enough now to see that some of the things that he was pointing out that they have been detrimental to the apostolic movement that would to God if we could go back 30 years ago and we could take some adjustments and make those adjustments in our lives and in our churches it probably would have been more beneficial for the spiritual help of the western American apostolic church in our generation but here's what we have to understand that we can't be impressed with powerful people you've got to be impressed with a powerful God the man doesn't mean anything the woman doesn't mean anything and if they start trying to steal the glory of God. I pray that they end up just like Uzziah does and that the Lord smites them in some way with a mark that sets them aside from everyone else so that we see, hey, they stole the glory of God. I don't want to steal the glory of God. I don't want you to steal the glory of God. I don't want us collectively as a church to steal the glory of God. We have got to stay plugged. Again, to the work of the Holy Ghost in our generation. Why? So that we will not be deceived by the pretenders. We can't be deceived by the pretenders. We cannot. And then Jesus goes on and he says in verse 11 and verse 24, he talks about not only false Christ, but he talks about the false prophets that are going to be pretenders. Notice what he says in verse 11, and many false prophets are going to arise and they're going to deceive many. Verse 24, there will arise false Christ and false prophets and shall show great signs and wonders insomuch that if it were possible, they shall deceive the very elect. First John 4, anybody quote that verse First verse, John four, first John four one. Anybody remember what that says? Anybody want to read it? First John chapter four, verse one. Got it, Brandon. Read it out loud. First John chapter four, verse one. see what John says? John comes along about 40 years after Jesus said this. He said, brothers, brethren, believe not every spirit. Test them. So how do you test them? How do you determine whether or not these guys are prophets or not? Well, I believe that you have to look back to some of it in the Old Testament where that it's in the book of Deuteronomy where it says that a prophet says this and it don't come to pass, you need to take them out in the parking lot and stone them. He's think, oh my Lord, there's not much margin, there's not much room for, for error whenever you say I'm a prophet. And I believe that that's one test of a prophet. What's the second test of a prophet? I believe it's what Paul said in 1 Timothy chapter 3 when he starts in in verse 1. He says, if a man desires the office of a bishop, he desires a good thing. And then he starts talking about the marks of character. It's not what you show as power, but rather it is the marks of character that that man has in his life. Is he the husband of one wife? Is he a man that's honest is he a man that loves the doctrine there's only one skill that's there and it says that he is apt to teach if you're going to be apt to teach you must know the word of the Lord because we're not teaching anything else we are teaching the word of God that's the test of a prophet not how many people that he prayed for and they got the Holy Ghost. Not how many people that he laid hands on and they got they got healed. That's not the mark of a prophet. It's not whether or not he said something that's right and it happened. The marks of a prophet are character driven, and we have to understand that there are a lot that were just like Simon Magus in Acts chapter eight. Then they said, "I tell you what, I don't want a relationship with God." I don't want any of that. Just let me buy the ability to be able to lay my hands on somebody and then be filled with the Spirit. If that Spirit was alive in the first century, it is still alive in the 21st century. And you ought to pray for myself. You ought to pray for Brother Patterson, and I know you do. And you ought to pray for our district leaders. And you ought to pray for our lay ministers that God not necessarily baptized them with power, but he will baptize them with character because if you've got character, the power takes care of itself, and Jesus comes along and says, Listen to me, these false prophet pretenders. What are they gonna do? They're, they're gonna have similar characteristics, except that there's one additional thing we find in verse 26. If they shall say unto you, Behold, he's in the desert, go not forth, or believe it not, they're going to be able to proselyte. And they're going to be able to pull people away and say, hey, just come on out here in the desert. Come on come on over here with our group. Come over here and gather up in our tent. Come over here and get involved with what's going on over here in the Lord. So i tell you what you better do. You better get some blinders up. And make sure that there is a focus in what you're doing so that you don't get distracted from all the things that's taking place around you. Sister Regina, if you could come to the piano. Here's what I pray for, for all of us in our day. Is that the Lord would baptize us with discernment. A thousand and one voices are making appeal to us and it is a very crucial time not only in our world but in the history of the apostolic movement. And I pray that somehow that in every one of us that we would be so immersed in the word of God and so immersed in prayer that there would be something about us that we would discern and we would have an ability to be able to say okay the Lord said these false prophets these false Christ they're gonna be evident and present in the end times I want us to stand I'm thankful for oh I'm I'm so thankful for the authority and the Spirit that I have felt here tonight while I have been preaching and trust me it's not all the preacher it's this congregation as well y'all have preached just as hard with me as what I preached is hard to you and I feel the word connecting in your heart and in your spirit but now what I want us to do is I want you to slip out of your rows I'd like for you to just come stand around the front as distant as you possibly can and I want you just to say, okay, Lord, I want to receive that word. Those words are not so much what, what a pastor, Brother Harrelson, was preaching, but those words are words that you have given to us. And now I pray that those words would find a, Lord, a, a fertile place in my heart and in my spirit, and that it would begin to grow. Lord, I